Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome to our super special new podcast series, The Art of Connected Parenting, where the founders of Sproutable are coming together to talk about the power of up-leveling how we think about and understand our roles and relationships with our kids. I'm Casey O'Rourke, host of the Joyful Courage podcast, positive discipline lead trainer, mom, and adolescent lead here at Sproutable. With me are Alana Beebe, the managing director, brilliant, thoughtful mama, and positive discipline parent educator, and my sister from another mister, Julietta Skoog, also a mom, early years lead, and positive discipline trainer. We're so excited to be digging into our work with all of you. Thank you for being here, listening, and watching if you're watching us on YouTube. So yeah, okay, part one. Here we are, ladies. I can't believe we're here. I feel like we've been talking about this for so long. It's going to be hard to not just sit in that space for I a know. second. Well, we, now we're doing it. Now we're doing it. Now we're doing yeah. it. Yeah. So let's start with what's the point? What are we doing here? What is this series about? What are you both hoping to share over the course of these episodes? So why don't we start there? So I have been thinking a long time and, you know, hello everyone who has not heard my voice before because normally Julieta and Casey are behind the camera and behind the mic. This is Alana. And, you know, we've been talking a lot here at Sproutable around how we really want to frame the work that we're doing because we hear a lot out there, you know, in positive parenting and conscious parenting and gentle parenting and the whole movement around challenges and relationships and this challenge and, you know, creating this pattern in your home of, you know, having joy and peace and all of this. That's great. But what is the deeper level of the work that we're doing here? What is the passion behind it? And why are we here? Why are we showing up every day when things are hard? You know, we've been doing this for how many, nine years now, all of us collectively? Because Casey, before you were wow. Drip Courage on your own. Yeah, like you know? even longer than that. 2007 yeah. was my TP. Okay, so when did we collectively? I mean, it was, let's say, 2008. 2008. Yeah. 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 And the one before that had been 2007. So okay. yeah, right around the same time. Yeah. And then we started yeah. our businesses, Sproutable and Joyful Courage, around eight and a half, nine years ago yep. or so. And like anything anyone does in your life, right? You have your job. And at some point, there was some passion, some interest there, right? And every day we show up to the grind of Sproutable and we mm -hmm. have our checklist and we do our things. 
But behind that, the reason why we keep showing up when things are hard, when things are stressful is because we're helping people. We're changing the lives of children and families for the better. And that's what drives us. That's our passion behind that. And so I was really excited to have this podcast series because I really wanted to talk about what is the deeper drive? What is the deeper passion? What are we all working for? And how can we come together on this journey collectively, being a parent or not a parent, being a caregiver maybe, or being a teacher or whatever that is, what drives us all together and where can we go together and how can we get on that same train? Yeah, I really thought about that in terms of our voice, like our voice is spreadable. And like for you, Alana, this is such a gift for us to be able to be in conversation with you in this way. And so for us to really have a collective voice that I sort of see us, sounds maybe a little cheesy, but I really see us like walking beside all these other voices as all kind of walking into mm-hmm. the same street. You know, we're all like gathering to go toward this one or not necessarily one, but like we're moving in this direction that feels like a movement. Yeah. It feels like a movement, like this generation, this life that we are on, this parenting journey, this personal journey, you know, all these singular voices and ours are coming together in such a passionate way and collective way and hearing from others to just really honing that voice and just getting stronger with that voice. That was sort of my goal too for this. Well, and I just love off the record when we come together for our calls. I mean, I always laugh at, we've got two hours on Mondays and it takes us a solid 45 minutes to actually get to work because we're checking in. We're talking about things that come up. We're talking shop. So like, we get so excited about it. And that's what the gist of our conversation always comes back to that deeper learning that we witness Mm -hmm. and that we experience in our own parenting as well. And so that's what I'm excited about. I feel like this series is really giving us a space to share those really powerful conversations with a larger audience. And I love that. And I love what you just said about like, we're all moving in a direction. And I know when you say that, you mean like, you know, scrolling Instagram, all the different people that you all listeners and watchers are following. I love that there is this message of relationship, of curiosity, of brain development, of like doing your own work, getting your shit together as the parent. And that's really exciting to kind of articulate that and contain it in a way that, you know, my hope for this series, it really is delivered to the people that listen and prompts a deeper realization of the work that everybody's doing when they wake up in the morning and it's, you know, another day with our kids. So the other piece too is just like normalizing. And those of you that listen to my podcast, I say this all the time, like it's messy right? The terrain of the teen years is rough and we can't change the terrain, right? We can't move the mountain, but how we approach it in our mindset matters. And we all show up with our own stuff. So just to kind of dig a little deeper into the fact that yes, we're parent educators, but we're also parents and humans, right? And we all have relationship stuff that came out of our childhood. We all three of us have committed to doing better. Our clients have committed to doing better. So will you share a little bit about your, <laughs> this is a therapy session now. Like, tell us about <laughs> your condition. Like, where do I begin? <laughs> yeah. What happened? Yeah. Why don't you start, Alana? Okay. Wow. We'll start with mine. Oh God, I love yours. 
Okay. This is not a therapy session, so we will not give the whole story. But I think the context of all of our childhoods is really important to understand how we show up as adults and how we show up as parents Mm -hmm. and how we show up in relationship to other people. And for me, it was a practice in storytelling. So there are a few ways that you can tell this story of my childhood. One is that I grew up in a home of abuse. My mom was a drug addict and she had major mental health issues. There are many times when, you know, I had to call 911 and she's overdosing. I took care of myself. I made dinner, you know, I mean, all of that. And then even as a young child, my father's ability to deal with emotions was very limited. It was basically no feelings are allowed or anger and explosiveness, you know? So that's how I grew up. And so I could either take that story as the victim of the situation, or what I decided to do was rewrite that story. And rewrite that story as a story of resilience, a story of learning, a story of opportunity to really step up in my independence and responsibility, my ability to deal with really hard things and keep showing up with a smile. Mm-hmm. And keep showing up with positivity and knowing that I'm always going to be okay as long as I take care of myself. And I am responsible for my happiness and I'm responsible for how I perceive how I show up in this world. And so that lesson, you know, from my childhood, you know, brought me into my adulthood fine. And then you become a parent. Yeah. Right. And then your yeah. kid hits you and throws things at you and, you know, yells at you and you are triggered, right? So then I get to go through the process all over again, right? I'm like, oh, I dealt with this, you know? And then you have a kid, you know? And I noticed in my own body just like how triggered I am by extreme emotions and violence and all of that. I mean, it's a two-year-old. Like, two-year-olds do this. They mm-hmm. throw, yeah, they hit, exactly. you know? That's just what they do. There's, it's normal, you know? But for me, then it was like a sense of like safety, right? So having to like step back and be like, okay, what do I need in this moment so that I can then show up as a parent that I want to be for my child, right? Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of processing from my childhood into, you know, where I am. And we'll talk a lot more about that. But your story and how you tell your story and the things that happened like around you and an experience for you as a child is your story forever. And like every time you show up in relationship with someone, you walk in with that story. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was just the importance of that and how I could help bring that into the work that we do at Sproutable and the work with children and work with adults that are working with children. And that's powerful, you know? It's powerful where we can show up. So anyway. Well, and the part that you say, I'm always so fascinated, Alana, by you, I mean, for a million different reasons, but that strength that you have in your little teeny person that you are, (laughs) and this like incredible strength that you walk the world with, and that idea of like, that you had this sense, I will always be okay. Like, no matter what happens, I'm going to figure it out. Everything will be okay. That's always a mantra within Sproutable. We're always like, well, mm-hmm. Alana knows what, we'll always know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Alana will figure it out. There's no problem too big. It really is a way that you walk through the world, you know, as a parent, as a person with our company, that strength that you've, I don't know. I just, that really is. Yeah. That. It's like a deeper thing that just came with me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, and this idea, Casey, that you're seeing about like normalizing the messiness that we can, you know, from all outward appearances can look all put together and totally connected and have all this whole set of skills. 
and really never know what was behind or what brought that. So yeah, I mean, I think the messiness is real. My story is about being a middle child. I have two sisters. That's a huge part of my narrative, the middle of three girls. And when I was five, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. I didn't even realize this until later in life that it was considered stage four, given six months to live simultaneously. So I had a younger two-year-old turning three sister and then an older eight-year-old turning nine. And we moved from California to Illinois, like just happened to be that my father was transferred. So that experience as a six-year-old that year and a half that we were in Illinois with a very ill parent and being totally independent on our own, caring for our younger sister and just living in a home of sadness, I think really informed my work with children, not even necessarily as a parent because I'd worked with children for so long before I even became a parent. But I remember it so vividly from a sense place of the vulnerability, the fragility, the how much I really was taking in that as I grew, I just looked out at all these little people and I just had such an empathy and a capacity to see the world through their eyes, you know, and really see like how vulnerable I think they are and just how sensitive kids are. It's that part that really drove me, I think, to just like keep wanting to work with kids and be more informed as a grown up for how to not necessarily protect but just really fill in the gaps for how much, you know, grownups think kids don't get it or understand or that they're not being affected, mm-hmm. you know, frankly. So it's been a huge story for me. My mom is amazing now. She's healthy. She, you know, through a whole other Grammy. arc of a story. Grammy is doing okay. Hi, Grammy. We know you're listening. <laughs> we know you're watching. <laughs> but, you know, but in order for her to get better, it really, it cost a lot for our family, it cost a lot for my father who had to really decide to be her doctor and our father and had to really let go of this idea of that he might lose this person. So that, you know, started a lifelong separation from the two of them. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. (laughs) Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. 
Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I just learned a lot from that lens. You know, it was a very formative time, and then it informed us, the ripple effects from that. So I've always been really, like, fascinated by the sibling dynamic by these early years of how things happen to young children and informs them. And then, like you said, Alana, the power of resilience. That's, you know, all my graduate work was around resilience, was around how my mother, who had an abusive childhood, was able to really change the way she parented us. Like, what breaks that? What breaks those cycles? I've always been so fascinated by that. And then, like you said, and then you have your own, and I thought I'd figured it all out. I went to grad school. I got two degrees. I was a school psychologist, school counselor. I had been working with kids since I was 12. I had an awesome partner, have an awesome partner. And then you have your first child, and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I am so triggered. I have a colicky baby. How can I not soothe? How is this not? I mean, So then from then on, it was just like, oh, okay. Oh, we get to figure it all out again. Oh, I actually get to like Mm -hmm. practice this. So lots of messiness and in the last 14 years of just doing that work. Yeah. I mean, I just want to acknowledge, right? Like we're three people in a Mm -hmm. world of what? Six, seven billion. And we have these distinct stories with through lines but also unique details. So it's just so interesting to me. So I am a child of divorce from the 70s, right? When it wasn't that common, although I knew from a very early age, I was never a kid that was like, how can I get mom and dad back together? Like it was very clear to me that they did not need to be married. And my mom, who I'm very close to and I love so much, was young and she had two kids really fast. And we come from this long line of like oldest daughters with dysregulated mothers. Like I was that, my mom was that, my grandma was that. And then I became the mother, right? And in my childhood, there was, we talk about in positive discipline, if any of you have taken a class from us, we do that parenting style activity where we talk about permissive and authoritarian and how most of us 
swing, right? We're too permissive until we can't stand our kids. And then we fly into like, knock it off, right? Authoritarian till we can't stand ourselves. And my mom swung like that. She's deeply loving until it was too much. And then she was really harsh with me. And because of that whole oldest daughter thing, I think. And then, you know, teen years rolled around and I left and I moved in with my dad. And all my formative years was really estranged from her, which I think, you know, now connecting the dots, it was always destined for me, I think, to work with parents of teenagers because of that experience. And then because of my own experience, once I had teenagers, although the conditioning showed up, not with the first kid, but with the addition of the second kid, that's when I really started building compassion for my mom because I would fly off the handle so quick and be so mean to Rowan, who is my sweet little girl who just wanted connection and love. And she drove me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Everybody goes to therapy, so Mm -hmm. it's okay. And everybody knows this story. But yeah, I mean, and then there's also added experience of how I perceived worthiness from my dad and my stepmom, who were so generous with me and showed up, you know, in all the ways that they could, and yet I still had this experience of not being good enough, right? Or of my value being tied to how I looked, how I dressed, what my grades were, right? And so, yeah, messy. There's so much stuff to slog through personally, and then we have these kids, and we're like, I don't want to be like that, and yet it's inside of us. So I'm really excited for all of us to talk about the reparenting coming up. I also want to say before we go any further that, I mean, if you're watching, then you're seeing three white women, right? Three white women in America. And just want to acknowledge that that is the, like, yes to the details that we all have and our own unique experiences. And we move through the world, you know, looking through the lens of a white person, of a white woman. And as we talk more about this deep work of parenting and reparenting and recognizing our trauma, we get to recognize our place of privilege and the fact that we have blind spots. I think three of us are committed to continuing to grow and evolve and expand our understanding of the experiences of others. And we will never actually get to stand in those shoes. So just wanting to acknowledge that And as my marriage counselor likes to remind me, we are all living in our own equally valid separate realities. So as you listen and you find places of not connecting with what we're talking about, I just encourage you to look for those through lines, look for those places that when we're sharing where it makes sense in your life and how it can make sense in your life, regardless of your story and your background. Well, and that idea of separate reality is such a huge part of Adlerian psychology, which we'll dig into, and the foundation of positive discipline. And your point, Casey, around just normalizing that we are all coming from these backgrounds and places and the messiness in it all, you know, I think that's where shame likes to hide for parents that come to my classes or to our groups where they think they're the only ones or that it is why am I you know, the activation that they have or the feeling of inadequacy or the overwhelm. And it can be really isolating and feel really lonely because all of us have our own unique stories. We are in our own separate realities. Like it is a lonely place, Mm -hmm. you know? 
And so, but understanding that everyone is going through that and bringing that just can crack open that door to compassion and can crack open that door to talking about this in a way that just becomes like secondhand and not so like a lot of people who, you know, come to our classes, they think, oh, I wouldn't have necessarily sought this out. You know, I mean, just how hard it is to have these. So I think that's also the goal for today, right? Is just, and for these conversations is just to continue to model for, you know, our own stories in hopes that it will help for everyone's own unique awareness, reflection, and understanding of that connection that all of our hearts have, you know, with each other. Because it's the deeper level. Like we can connect on the challenges that we're having with our kids, but we can also connect on the feelings that we're having about the challenges that we're having with our kids. You know, the feelings that we're having about our kids and the feelings Mm -hmm. we're having about ourselves Mm -hmm. and our partners, if we have parenting partners and whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like, Mm -hmm. that is that deeper level of connection, right? Mm -hmm. And you two both brought this up. It's something that I really value in both of you is your ability to really get into the child's world and speak for the child from that perspective, like bringing in the development, bringing in that Larian psychology, you know, maybe their view or whatever. And then also seeing the frame within the family to be able to speak that to the parent or the caregiver or the teacher so they can see from the child's perspective. And we can get into someone else's world, right? And truly be in their shoes and see it from a different lens, we get to show up differently, mm-hmm. you know? And that's so powerful. So love yeah. this work. Yes. And I feel like we're cracking the Instagram visual, right? Because we're all using the social media and we're seeing and we're comparing. And something that I feel like is a superpower for me, and I know it's a superpower for you too, is we're not afraid to talk about the shit that we step in, right? I mean, I'm walking over here this morning as I'm like, oh, I got a good one. Like, I literally, as we're walking this well, I'm like, well, at least I got some material for today. Yeah. You little shit. Like, you know, great. Awesome. Yeah. And what I love, what that speaks into, I think is, well, first of all, that was when I first started podcasting. My favorite thing was I loved that I had access to all these people. And then I was like, yeah, let's have a conversation. And then I would lean in and be like, so what was it really like? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, tell me about when you lost it. Because I think it's so important for parents to see the people that they're following, that they're reading, that they're listening to, that they're looking up to and recognize, oh, they're just like me. Celebrities. They're just like you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in that deeper work, I mean, I think the powerful piece that will continue these conversations around the repair and the yeah. Yeah. resolve and the chance to do it and the modeling how to mess up yeah. and how to make amends and yeah. is also just as important of teaching as parents. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to talk about reparenting, right? And I feel like reparenting, it's kind of a buzzy word right now. Mm-hmm. And even the three of us, when we talked about it not too long ago, we all kind of had different takes. We on, went down a rabbit hole. We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And isn't, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where we get to roll around in it. And you kind of touched on this a little bit, Alana, in the retelling of your story. But what does reparenting mean to you guys? Yeah. And I'll share what my. Yeah. For me and my personal process, reparenting is my ability to show up differently for my kid. And in that, then seeing through my kids' eyes, me as a parent, and seeing how I would have wanted my parents to treat me. And it's like this reconnection of a relationship in the family that I needed to feel that my feelings were okay, 
you know, that the messiness is okay. I don't need to be perfect. You know, the, the gift of imperfection. Those things were things that I needed to reparent in myself. And I get to do that all the time with my kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And so every time that I accept my kid for who they are and in that moment and be like, oh, your feelings are fine, I also get to tell myself my feelings are fine, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just that reciprocal piece. And, you know, and I think about, because I love brain development, you guys, and I love the brain and neuroscience and how that works. But I even think about that as like that rewiring of the neurons, the looping of the neurons and how it's like a constant loop and then how relationships are like loops Mm -hmm. and how we can then like retrain or reparent or refeed or rewire or whatever that looks like. So for me, it almost feels physical. It's like a physical reconnection, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm just not resonating so much with that idea of the loops and the rewiring. I see it in that way as well. And especially like I had this aha, I don't even know if it was like recently, but in all my, I worked at schools for 15 years. And as you know, the ratio with counselors and psychologists are like a thousand students to one. So you can't see all the kids all the time, right? (laughs) You have to pick your favorites. I said first grade was always really important to get into all the first grade classrooms Mm -hmm. because then I really know these kids. You know, they're not the like baby kindergartners who are like corralling cats. We're so cute. But developmentally, they get it. And then I really know those kids as they grow. So maybe if I'm not in their second grade class, but I tap back in as a fourth grader, I've known them as a first grader. That made sense to me developmentally. But I realized a few years later that, oh, that was the year that I needed it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the reparenting for me, and I've seen this when each of my girls now have get to the age of six and Leona's there now. Mm -hmm. It's this year. This is the first grade year where I am just feeling all the feels that there is a physical almost place where I get the opportunity to reparent, you know, quote unquote, that six-year-old within me, that first grader within me that needed to be seen, that needed to feel safe, that needed to be able to be a six-year-old also that didn't get to be. So for all those first graders that I was always really immersed with, just teaching them the vocabulary around feelings, all of them would say, half of them would say, you're my feelings teacher. And the other half would say, you're our brain teacher. So I think I sort of gave that gift, you know, to them through what I needed in that year too. Mm -hmm. So I guess reparenting to me is like that act of, you know, with whatever child, your own child, or not even, I mean, I think also we could talk about nature and other human beings too, but I think there's a piece, you know, within this context around healing that inner child through the work. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.
If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. And I also appreciate, Alana, what you said about like, it's not necessarily even like pressing delete on the old. It's almost evolving that part. It's yeah. like, I had an amazing year. You know, I mean, it wasn't like a bad, you know, totally traumatic experience, but it was mine. Yeah. And there were parts that I really felt so deeply as that young child. And there's a whole range of, you know, depth that I deserved also. Mm-hmm. And so by giving that to my own children and my students, that has been extremely healing for me. Yeah. And I think about it more. It was so interesting when we initially talked about it because the idea of reparenting being in the action of parenting our kids wasn't on my radar. Like to me, it's just really about the inner work of healing and reprogramming, rewiring, you know, and and those early years with my kids and seeing very explicit patterns and actions. Like I used to say, it's like I'd become overwhelmed and the impulse to totally come unglued. It was like the yellow brick road. Like, come on, mm-hmm. just come on. You know, you just let it go, go off right now. You want to, right. And like I said earlier, the compassion that I was able to grow for my mom, recognizing, well, I'm aware of this impulse, right? I have somewhat of an awareness and then learning positive discipline and going through the jungle activity, which is really oh, intense activity. The jungle is so intense. Oh my God. And yeah. learning amends, like the process of making amends and that fourth step of, which is either let's problem solve this or here's how I'm working to show up differently. Like that was so powerful for me. And to speak, this is how I'm going to show up differently to my kids meant that I had to do the work of following through and like, mm-hmm got into personal transformation and self-growth. And that was the reparenting for me. And then fast forward to Rowan being 14 and looking me in the eye, the same age I was when I moved him into my dad's and saying, I don't want to live here. I don't want to be a part of this family. Mm. My response to that, like my physical response to that was so heavy and I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized God, you know, I never really spent a lot of time thinking about what that experience was like for my mom. I had a lot of judgment on how she handled it. And I called my mom and I was in tears and I was telling, and I just said, mom, I just want to say, like, I never really thought about what that was like for you. And she was able to say, none of that was your fault. Mm. And we had this really intense healing 
through my experience with Rowan. So it's just like such a gift that we don't have to be contained inside of whatever it was early on that happened to, for us. Even with our own parents. Yeah, with our own Mm -hmm. parents and our experiences. There's always room to shift and change the trajectory. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, a lot of that is like paying attention to my personal, my inner conversation that I'm having with myself, noticing when my own like self-worth conversation shows up. But yeah, man, I mean, it's sweaty. It's all, it's it's everything. And well, and I think maybe part of the term reparenting also can activate the sense of like this whitewashed colonization, fix this. It has to be you know, this must get better, must must get get to perfection, puritanical kind of end goal, individuate, like all of that. And so when we can kind of move that shit aside and, you know, allow the all, allow all of it and that there isn't one right way and here's the book to do it, but that trust in yourself and growing that inner wisdom and inner voice and turning up the dial on the inner child and what we all need, you know, is for us. It's not for someone else to tell us how to reparent and how to do, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, And I think that brings up, you know, the storyline, you know, like kind of like white dominant perspective here in our country is that it is our family. Our stuff happens in our family. We don't talk about it outside. It doesn't go outside. And then- Oh, I missed that. I missed that memo. Like- (laughs) Like we're, where's the mic? But it's like your responsibility, my responsibility, right? But then if you think about, you know, in other indigenous communities and other communities around the world, you know, it becomes like everyone's responsibility to raise the children, right? So it's not just all on you and that responsibility and the shame and on all of that. So it's also this reframe of, I get to show up in this way. These are the things that I get to help teach my kid and I am not the everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I am not the everything. Yeah. Get over There's teachers. There's friends, there's aunties, uncles, everything. And everyone contributes. Mm-hmm. Everyone contributes to the life of the child, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, so. and it's so interesting, like, how much credit we take either way, right? It's either like, look at what a great mom I am. Look at mm-hmm. what my kids can do mm-hmm. yep. or are doing. Or it's like, I've completely screwed them up. Mm-hmm. It's all me. I had an intern tell me one time because they would come to all the parent meetings. After the, you know, 10th one, they, the intern looked at me and goes, do all the parents say, oh, that's me. Oh, they get that for me. Oh, that's me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, pretty much. There's just a whole ego yeah. around that. And it's, and I do it too. We get so hooked into that. But when we can just pay attention to just that awareness of that, the awareness of that too, yeah. I think is just what it brings up, you know? Yeah. So. And I love when we were in the Middle East last year, because we were <laughs> Let's just hold, hold, <laughs> pause, 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 pause for the memory of. <laughs> the, well, when we got war- to see Dr. Oh. Shafali speak live. Yeah. yeah. And she yes. was like, you people think that you're in charge of this mm-hmm. little being's journey and yeah. you're wrong. Yeah. Right. And how right. we have hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. The minute we find out that we're pregnant, we have a whole storyline for them. And that's my mm-hmm. favorite part of being, especially Rowan's mom is that she, like, over and over again, I get to be like, oh, right, it's not my narrative. Yeah. Right? That's like, right. She is the sovereign 
feisty human who is figuring it out. She's the first one to say, this is not about you. Well, and that's where I... My mom would be like, you know, I mean... But that idea of reparent, it's not that we get to do it differently so that our kid turns out just the way that we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. It's this idea of really... Doing our work, our own trajectory. So so we get to become the person that we wanted to always be, and they get to be whoever they get to want to be. Instead of needing a U haul for them to carry our baggage into their life and go to Mm -hmm. therapy, they just carry on bag Mm -hmm. or even a backpack, Mm -hmm. right? Hopefully a backpack. Yeah. Hopefully a backpack. Mm -hmm. My bag's pretty small. Okay. (laughs) We got to wrap this up, girls. Okay. Alana, do you have the poem? I do. Okay, yeah. So we have something that we that I think you found it, Alana. Yes, and, Alana. Um, we love it. This it's our beginning of this series, but it's also the end of this first episode. So share it. Okay, <laughs> I got it. I got it. Okay, this is a Purapecha um, poem from Mexico. We say that again. It's a what? Purapecha. Okay, thank you. Poem from Mexico. Uh, the author is unknown, but it was something that really spoke to me. And when we first started talking about recording this series, I really wanted to anchor it in this. It was so powerful. So it's called "My Grandmother Told Me." In life, you neither win nor lose, nor does it fail, nor is it successful. In life, you learn. It grows. It is discovered, is written, it's erased, it is written again, is spun, unravels, and it spins again. The day I understood that the only thing that I am going to take with me is what I live, I began to live what I want to take with me. And it's so powerful, you know? And for me, this poem was really about, you know, it's about, it's about the moments. It's mm-hmm. about every moment with your kid or your, you know, friends or your partner or whatever. It's like, who do you want to show up in that moment for the life that you want to bring along with you? And at the end of your life, when you look back at those moments, you get to say, I showed up the best I could and in like mm-hmm. the most real way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying the best way or the good way, right? It's not about successful, mm-hmm. right? It's not about winning or losing. It's just like, how did I show up? What does that mean for me? Thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies. So just reminding the listeners, we all get to grow and evolve and be better, right? We all get to keep our eyes on that ever moving prize. And in doing so, grow kids that can reach, you know, as far as they can go in their development and in their possibility. And yeah, I'm just really excited I hope that you listeners loved this conversation. We're so excited to be on the adventure with you. And next week, join us. We're going to dig into guilt and shame. (laughs) (laughs) And self-doubt. And how to move from that to a more intentional way of being with our kids. Bring your party pants. It's going to be fun. some tears. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. Peace.
Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.